As the new year unfolds, make it a year of comfort and indulgence with Minky Couture. Wrap yourself in the lap of luxury with our exquisite blankets. Picture the cozy moments, the warmth of our premium materials, and the stylish designs that define Minky Couture. Welcome the new year with the ultimate in comfort and sophistication. January is your month to embrace luxury. Visit MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today. Elevate your comfort, elevate your style with Minky Couture. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Anything you guys want to talk about today? Hitting top 100 prospects day. It's I I compared this to Christmas morning on the call up because you know like there, there's so much excitement and there's anticipation, but it may be better than Christmas morning because it's not December 25th every year. Like it, it is at different times when you get an update and it's okay. I've got the article that I gotta read through and. It may take a couple hours for me to read every word. I can skim it in 10 minutes. It is so much fun to read the work that Arm Layton puts out. Arm is on the pod. Peter's on the pod. I'm Jack. I'm on the pod. Today's Friday, April 14th. This is the Just Baseball Show presented by BetMGM. Use our sign-up code in the show notes and uh, have some fun betting with the king of sportsbooks. But uh, this is so much fun, man. And I think our plan today is just go through a- and have a surface level look. Obviously, the link to this top 100 is in the episode description. So if you want to look one through 100 at every name, do it. We're going to hit the notable names working from 100 all the way to the top spot and uh, a certain alien life form. But this was so much fun, man. Arm, let's start with you. Uh, how many hours on this one? Oh. I have no, I have no fucking clue and I don't want to know. So I, I would compare this. There's probably two things in my life. I've spent more like the most time doing 
it's these these top 100 lists and prospect write-ups and and modern warfare 2 yeah um once i added all the modern warfare 2 days played between ps3 uh xbox 360 and then even when they brought it back on xbox one i played it a little bit on there um there's like only like 100 people online they were all as weird as me um I, I was pretty like nauseated at, at the two months basically that I gave up of my life playing that, but I, I wouldn't trade it. It's kind of same thing with this. Like I, it, it's a lot of time. I know that um, my girlfriend is very happy that I'm done with it because it's every night when the day is done like that. Now I dive into this yeah. uh, because we have stuff going on during the day. So uh, I, it, it is this like freeing uh, feeling of putting it out. I have no idea how many hours, but I mean, you look at every individual write up, I'd say each write up, takes about 45 to write, but several hours of watching, whether it's in person or video. Uh, so you could do the math there, but it's worth it because it's fun content. Uh, I hope that people kind of get some info from it, try to bake it in as much info as possible. And I I love Peter's reaction every single time, which is worth it alone. I just get so fired up. It's one of my favorite days of the year is to read Aram's Top 100 because I know how much time you put into it. And I think you're even underestimating the time that you put in when you say a couple hours of watching. Like, that's that's the first lie you've told, I think, on this podcast. Like, no way. It's been weeks of each individual guy. And that's why I love when it comes out, love going through it. My question to you, too, because I know it's your passion and I know you love doing it, but there's obviously some downsides to doing a top 100 prospect. So what's worse, the figuring out the formatting on the website or fielding questions from fans who use the search bar, which you work so hard to get in to make it easier for fans <laughs> to then they just search their team a prospect that they know isn't in it. And then you have to field questions about that individual player or that team. What's your least favorite part? Dude. So it was so funny. Cause we had a little bug on the back end. We, we've, you mentioned like the, the search bar that we added and like the table system, there's a little bug that we have to fix. So long story short, the bug resulted in me having to manually put all of the information in again, like age, weight, position, like all that stuff. Jack helped me with the, with the back end of it too, just like manually putting them all in. That part really sucks, but I think there's nothing worse than just like, I saw a comment on our Instagram that like, it was, you put it out on Instagram, like our top 100 is live. And, um, you know, I just peeled back the curtain, Peter for now is literally like has been running the Instagram. He's an absolute grinder, but puts it out. And, and just the, the comment is just Gordon Graceffo, who's a pitching prospect for the Cardinals. Who's not on the list. Facts. Gordon like, that's it. Like Facts. that's your response. It's just like Facts. all of the work put in just Gordon Graceffo. Uh, not like, good enough. Not good enough. But yeah, so that's probably the most annoying thing. I love questions. I think like there's a million different ways that you could slice this. You know, there's definitely players that are probably top 100 talents that, aren't on here that might prove that they should have been on here like that's the the beauty of it but like if you just are going to be negative about it that, that that's probably the worst part but so far people have been really kind and really positive and really really cool about it so uh yeah. I, I appreciate that that's the thing man so like you like the questions that are hey i see edwin arroyo in the red system is the 93rd prospect in baseball why is he lower when he was in the 70s last time or, or something like that wonderful stuff you don't like the question gordon graceffo period <laughs> no it's not even so peter does it as a joke which is actually like keeps me sane we'll yeah. just be like will warren off the list it's a this is a joke do we even like know that. ball do we know yeah, ball he's, yeah. he's like you don't know ball like i love that like that's funny but there's people that then do that seriously Seriously, and it's like holy shit. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, we talked about it before we were recording about just like 
how people are on social media. Fortunately, people have been really positive about this. So, you know, feel free to DM me any hate. That's just totally fine. Um, but I, I'd appreciate more kindness. Couple of uh couple of texts that I've gotten from Aram in the midnight to one AM hour uh moved Zach Veen up. <laughs> and of course I didn't respond until the next morning. I love um, texts like that. It's another just, one was like hidden jabs where it's like, I gotta move about two spots. Yeah. <laughs> like and I'm like, why? Yeah, other one. Guess who Jozu DePala's cousins are? And this guy is an L.A. Dodger. He's 17 years old. He just got off the complex. Like, guess who his cousins are at, at like 1230 in the morning? And I'm like, tell them who's, who the cousins are. There's six. <laughs> Sebastian Telfair and Stefan Marbury. That's awesome. So naturally, he was a top 100 guy after I heard that information. So uh, we're going to go like. We're going 100 through 1 on the call-up. So if you want an in-depth breakdown of everybody, we're going like 15 at a time. We set out for 20, and it was like, wait, we're already in an hour, man. Let's go 15. <laughs> so we're going 15 at a time, but we're talking about every guy in great depth on the call-up. So go listen to that. Um, but let, let's work 100 to 1. You in? I'm in. My first question, I think this question, for me at least – always inspires some great conversations because they're the just missed. Like I'm always curious of the guys who, while the top 100 is great, like you said, Arm, there are top 100 talents all over baseball. Like I'm sure there was a pool of 200 prospects who you could make an argument based on what you prefer in a baseball player. So my first two questions are always, what do you value more? on a prospect list and who are some of the players that when your head hit the pillow, when you're, you know, doing this every single night that you're like, ah, shit, I couldn't fit them on, but they deserve their own praise. So that's a two-parter. Yeah, no, those are great questions. Cause that was the hardest part, honestly, at the end was just like, I wanted more space. So I was weirdly relieved when Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson graduated. Cause I was like, those guys were one and two. They were one and two last year. I don't like, I'm not telling you anything new here. So when they graduate, I'm like, fuck yeah, two more spots. And in came Edouard Julien and, and Mason or Jason Morabel. So, you know, that was and Ronnie Mauricio, which is really funny, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, so it's, it's a balance and that's the hardest part about this. And you'll see in the rankings for those that are, you know, maybe following along, there's players that have a 60 future value that are ranked behind a player that has a 55 future value. That's because of risk, right? So if a guy that has a 60 future value like Colson Montgomery, he's ranked behind Logan Ohapi, who has a 55 future value because I see Ohapi ceiling as really solid above average regular. I see Montgomery ceiling as, you know, potential perennial all-star, but we're seeing Ohapi mash through the minors, mash in AAA last year. Contact rates were super high. Approach was great. Defense is good. Uh, and then has put up solid numbers in the early going of the big leagues. You kind of know what you're getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, Montgomery, he has yet to really perform above high A, and he's young and he's raw. So it's like, which prospect would I rather have? If I'm building a franchise, probably the proven catcher. So that's why he's one spot ahead. Um, so that's like the balance of, you know, upside versus risk. And that's the hardest juggle of this whole thing. Um, but those are the two most important things. You want to have a, a low risk guy with massive upside is the best player, you know, best prospect in baseball, a la Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson. Um, unfortunately, at the top of this list, it's it's all risk. So that's why it was pretty fun to to rank the top. But yeah, that's that's the big challenge there. The second part of the question, um, there's probably a hundred guys 
that yeah. could qualify as top 100 prospect talent. Um, but some names that were really close, Logan Allen, Brock Porter, Jack Leiter, Dax Fulton, Isaac Pacheco, Gordon Graceffo. Can you go over Williams. some of the can you go over some of the names of the teams too, just for anyone oh, who true. might not That's be familiar point. with those I'm prospects? I'm always so bad at that, dude. Yeah, we we have a couple of negative comments. We say, you know, you're ass, you don't know ball. Sometimes we get um comparisons to celebrities with mental issues because we obviously don't look like them. But yeah. our uh, one big thing is can you guys say the names yes. of some of the prospects and players? Thank you for so that you know that. we stay along. So just want to nip that the bud. Hold on. How do you not know who Isaac Pacheco is? <laughs> Don't know ball. That's why Arm does it. I wouldn't expect people to really know. So no, Isaac Pacheco is a tiger. Um, people are probably thinking Isaiah Pacheco, the running back for the for the Chiefs. But yeah. Logan Allen, Guardians pitcher, Brock Porter pitcher with the Rangers system. Then you got like Jack Leiter, of course, Rangers as well. Uh, Dax Fulton's a Marlins left-handed pitching prospect. Gordon Graceffo is a Cardinals guy. And it's funny because Cardinals right-hander, a lot of people have him ahead of Libertor. We're going to talk about Libertor, who we've talked about. Already in triple, by the way. Already in triple. And another 10-strikeout performance by Libby last night, by the way. Uh, Michael Bush of the Dodgers, Masher, just missed it as well. And then Wilmer Flores, brother of Wilmer Flores, uh, right-handed pitcher in the Tiger system who's nasty, just missed it as well. Yeah. Um, real quick, two other names that you haven't mentioned, Jose Salas in the Twins organization and Griffin Conine in the Marlins organization. Care to comment on those two? Care to comment? <laughs> so Griffin Conine, every ball he's put in play so far this season has been over 95 miles an hour. Fuck yeah. Noting there. Uh, but hard no, hit merchant. 25 year old prospect in double A just missed. Um, and then Jose Salas got we just talked about him last episode, so fuck you. <laughs> All right, um, he was not even. He was like a just missed, just missed. Um, more if, if Luisa if if Luisa Rise hits four hundred, is Jose Salas still a problem? You think for Marlins fans? <laughs> I think they'll be upset about Jose Salas if he wins the MVP. The, yeah. the facet of Marlins fans we're talking about here. Uh, let's start at a hundred. Ronnie Mauricio is a guy that has been a roller coaster of a name in, in the prospect world. He has gone from top 70 to outside the top 500 to now right in there at 100. What's the deal with Ronnie Mauricio? Wait, before you answer, Arm, there's always a story with a hundred, right? We had Joe Posnanski on, which is still one of my favorite interviews we have ever had. He created the Baseball 100, which is ranking the top 100 players of all time. And I love that he put Ichiro at number 100, and he always had a story surrounding him. When I came out with my top 100 players, Cal Quantrill is at 100. Like, there's <laughs> always a story around 100. And Ronnie Mauricio, the shortstop prospect for the New York Mets, there is a story behind him here at they're, Just Baseball. So, number one... And number 100 are always the best story. So break it down for us. Why is There's Ronnie one, Mauricio 100? There's 100% a story here. Because I, I have Finkelstein, Ryan Finkelstein, our managing editor, texting me every day. Like, <laughs> see what Ronnie did? You see what Ronnie did? You see what Ronnie did? Um, and I'm like, yes, dude, I did. Uh, I had So when I told you I was relieved to open up some spots, I would like – I was happy with where we were at. And then I opened up another spot because Miguel Vargas graduated. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to put Ronnie Mauricio on this list. I didn't want to put him on. I'm going to have to. But like reasonably speaking here, I have to. How old do you think Ronnie Mauricio is? He has the NBA effect because I don't think people, unless you've checked recently, Peter, you'll be shocked at how young he is. How old do you think Ronnie Mauricio is? No, I. you told me recently. Didn't he just turn 22 or just turn 23? Just turned 22 years old a week ago. Yeah. Yeah, and, this and I wouldn't have known that unless you told me that recently. 
I didn't know it. I was I thought he was 23. He is so young. And I'm looking at it like there's prospects that were on the cusp that are 21 and high A that I love their upside. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to pit Ronnie Mauricio's ability to compete while flying through the minors against him. Like he's proven that he can stick at shortstop, which is something I didn't think he could do. Um, he hits the shit out of the ball. We always knew that though. He hit, can hit the ball 500 feet, uh, which is crazy. The power is plus plus. Uh, the approach is one of the worst I've seen of a prospect of top 100-ish range. And that's why we, we've seen him, you know, out of lists, but when you're a switch hitter with his kind of power who hit 26, 27 home runs last year, and look, he could spend the whole year in triple a and repeat it next year. And he's still younger than the entire level by a full year. So I was like, you got it. You always say, Peter, give the man a second. Like Ronnie Mauricio is the poster boy of prospect fatigue, I think. And it's fair to note, like he's 22. He could spend a full year and a half still getting his feet under him in triple a And that would be just fine. He's still extremely young. So if he cuts the chase rate down, this guy could be a really solid power hitting, you know, everyday shortstop that hits seventh for you and runs into 30 bombs and just doesn't get on base enough. But that's fine. I I think your 91, 92 stack is hilarious because you've got 70 or you've got 17 year old Josu DePala in the Dodgers organization who I know you love. And and I'll let you give the elevator pitch on DePala. And then at 92, you've got Hayden Wesneski with the Cubs, who's already the five in in that rotation, who, by the way, is kind of stinking it up right now. And we we talked about Wesneski on the call up. His fastball is getting obliterated right now. Opponents hitting 556 with a 1,400 slug against his fastball right now. Average is a hard hit, 95-5 off the bat right now. He's thrown 47 fastballs. So Wesneski, I guess, like level of concern with his early season. But then, you know, give me the pitch on DePaula. Yeah. I went on Peter's betting stream, um, first of all, to just start with this, and and then I'll answer the question. And uh, I, I was, like, tailing an under uh, at Wrigley with the wind blowing out for Wisniewski. And I'm like, you know, he, he gave up some home runs in Great American Ballpark. Like, I think he's going to tweak the fastball back, get it back to running, because it's, it's too straight. Like, he's lost a lot of horizontal movement for whatever reason. And Peter, like, I think he broke down the, the exit velocities on his fastball. Uh, which I think was like 92 average exit velocity. Since then, I, I record the call up with Jack. He tells me the exit velocity, not knowing. Uh, and it's 95 now, average exit velocity on the fastball. So uh, real quick, Peter, because you, you've got to see him. Like we, we were talking about on the big league side of things, like how concerned are you with Wes Nasky? Because like for me, if, if he was a top 100 prospect, which he was for me going into the season, two starts, it would be silly to toss him out of there. So not even through a top 100 lens, but like, you watch the two starts, dude, like, yeah. what did you see? And it's funny, too, because you have to call it a Yankees fleece, right? Scott Efros hasn't <laughs> a lot of run this year. Uh, no, but because he has Tommy John surgery. But no, I mean, I that was my big takeaway, what you just said about the horizontal movement. Because last year, that fastball was running all over the place. And then when he pairs with that breaking ball from hell it he it looked like you couldn't square him up even if he left something middle because you just don't know what's coming and everything is moving so insanely but this season over those last two starts the fastball looks so hittable right so these hitters at least i think the whiff rates are going down on his breaking balls because they're like why why am I even going to swing at it? I dare you to throw three straight of those sliders in the strike zone. So they're just sitting fastball. It's not moving. And then they're teeing off. So yeah. it's so hard for me to say, oh, yeah, now he's washed because we just saw recently yeah, all the, the run that he had. So yeah. is it is this here to stay? Like we saw with Barrios, right? 
Like Barrios had this running fastball. Now it's straight as an arrow. Now he's getting ballooned. Is yeah. that what's going to happen to Wesneski? But at yeah, the same time, it's two starts. So what yeah, are you going to judge him right now? Barrios had a whole year of being horrible. Correct. This is two starts. And in Windy Wrigley and then in Great American. So it's like it's almost impossible to actually have a correct take, weirdly, it- at this point. Can I say it's been a year and two starts for Barrios and I'm still yeah. holding out some hope that he corrects? Yeah, I'm you're, done. You're, you're off your ass. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. So the, I can't. The, 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 the duo, like the way that's so funny about it is DePaul is, I think, eight years younger than, <laughs> than uh, oh, maybe no. seven years Wisneski's younger than Wisneski. 25, DePaul is 17. <laughs> so that's the funniest part about prospect rankings. And and so we talk about the, the risk-reward thing here, right? The reason why these guys are stacked is I love Jozu DePaul's swing. It's probably one of the most advanced, uh, complex Dominican summer league swings I've ever seen. So I feel really confident about the bat, uh, and and he's got plus power potential. He's going to need to grow into that power potential because he doesn't have a lot of defensive value there. So for me, he's super far off, but I've seen enough upside there where I'm like, that's a top 100 prospect. And his upside is, you know, all-star middle of the order bat. Wesneski, high floor. Probably a number four starter at best. You're hoping for a three, probably more likely a four. But like a guaranteed five or four is a top 100 prospect. So, you know, that's that's the funny part about it. And so Paula just edges him out because he gets me a little bit more excited. And he is able to raise his floor as much as humanly possible for a Dominican Summer League prospect with the way his swing looks and the 90% zone contact there, which is elite from a prospect of that age. Another hilarious stack is 85, 86, 87. I was exactly, I was going to bring that up. I was like, I think that's more egregious of an example of age versus guys who are killing it right now in the majors. Because this is more egregious because James Outman is sitting right there who's on track to maybe win the rookie of the year. But then you have a 16-year-old catcher who I've never even heard of who's like, what, in the complex league? What does he have? Eight at-bats, but he hit two above 110. So he's, I don't know. Dude, he I'll goes make my elevator pitch. But yeah, okay. Aram, you go 25-year-old outfielder James Altman with the Dodgers at 85, 16-year-old catcher Ethan Salas with the Padres, and then 24-year-old right-hander Mason Miller with the A's. Just a hilarious, is, like, what the hell is the 16-year-old? That's what these poor GMs have to do, too. That's the that's the shittiest part. When they're making trades and like they gotta value that stuff out, which is so crazy. Uh Altman looks phenomenal. There's definitely some whiff there and like yeah, I think he's really good. Do you think that he's going to sustain this to, to this degree? Like, probably not. I think we're one of the highest on Outman, even having him on a list, period. Uh, yeah. Because you have other, like, Baseball America that consistently update their list, and they still haven't updated him that high. So I think they're taking it with a grain of salt. I'm in on Outman being an above-average regular outfielder, and that's why he's there. Uh, Ethan Salas, this was one of the most fascinating dives I've done in a while. I was able to get access to his – he was playing in the Winter League, where he was probably a decade younger than his competition, his at-bats were phenomenal. He has such a good swing from the left side, like really, really good feel for the strike zone. But what really put me over the top in putting this guy in here, maybe one of the best receivers I've seen from a minor league prospect, especially a teenage minor league prospect, in a long time. I think there were some viral clips of the way he was receiving behind the dish. Some of the quietest hands I've seen. He already looks like he's ready to be a plus catcher defensively his arm is crazy they threw him in a spring big league spring training game already he also hit a shot off george kirby on the backfield it's like he is a wonderkin um so i was looking at it from this perspective he was one of the most sought after international free agents in a long time 
And I would imagine that the Rays would trade Junior Caminero for him. And Junior Caminero is ranked 90th third base prospect. I think they would trade Junior Caminero for Ethan Salas. And that's why Salas is ranked ahead of him. Yeah. My next question, I think this guy might be the most challenging guy to rank on this entire thing. And correct me if I'm wrong. Daniel Espino. Yeah. Is, is what is he right now on your list? He's 73. 73. Right. So he's been as high. I've seen him on lists where he's in the 20s. I've seen him on lists where he's not on the list. Like I saw a list and he's not on there. He's a guy who's dealt with, you know, the injury bug, which seems like his entire career. But then when he pitches, he looks like one of the best pitchers in the entire minor leagues. Is he the hardest player to rank on this list? Because you're balancing insane talent. With a guy who just cannot string together healthy minor league seasons. This is the one where I use the thought exercise as much as, as, as I could because of, of trade value. Because he was the singular hardest to rank. Pitching prospect-wise, he was my candidate for top pitching prospect in baseball going into last year. And then he came out, three starts, struck out everybody, and looked like that dude. It's disgusting. Then they, you know, he doesn't pitch the whole year. And they're like, oh, it's a knee. It's his knee, it's his knee, it's his knee. He did have a knee issue. But then they come out and say, oh, yeah, it's also his shoulder, too. Try like, oh, by the way, supposed to come back, start the throwing program, shoulder again. Supposed to come back, shoulder again. Now has his shoulder, you know, operated on, I'm pretty sure, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or at least has, has, you know, missed another large amount of time. When you have recurring shoulder issues as a high velo guy, it's extremely concerning. On top of the knee, uh, for me, I looked at it this way. If I'm a, a general manager and I'm negotiating a trade with with the Cleveland Guardians, uh, and they want one of my one of my starters, you know, one of one of my big time big league players, and they're offering me Daniel Espino in a package, do I want to pick up that risk? Yeah, sure, at the right price. And let's say that, you know, going through the list right now, let's say that Marco Luciano who's also a tough guy to rank, but maybe that's a bad example. Let's say Cam Collier is is also a guy that's with the Guardians in this example. If they said you can have one of Daniel Spino or Cam Collier as part of this return, I think at this point, based on the risk, I'm going with Cam Collier uh, if, if I'm trading one of my big leaguers. So that's where I was at there. It's just there's too much risk with that arm, recurring shoulder stuff. If it was Tommy John, it's a different story. Shoulder... It, that freaks me out. Well, here's another exercise, man, because you've got Liberator at 79 and Luis Ortiz at 78. So is it okay? Like if you see Espino in a trade package or Liberator in a trade package, you still lean Espino because you think his ceiling is that much higher. Right now, yes. Ask me that in two months. A month. And if Espino yeah. or even a month, if Espino hasn't thrown and Libby does this for five, six more starts, that'll change. That's one of the more fluid aspects of this list. Yeah, a, a guy that you are taking over as Spino, another right-handed arm that I know you're really high on, 70 and 65 on this list. I think you are higher on than any other publication. Bryce Miller is a right-hander with the Seattle Mariners, and Joey Ortiz is the forgotten middle infield prospect with the Baltimore Orioles, and he may be one of the better ones. He's ahead of Norby on this list. I think he's ahead of Westberg on this list as well. Um, start with Bryce Miller with the Mariners. Because, I mean, you were juggling like a crazy, crazy grade for his fastball. Yeah. Um, and we we went with it. He's the 80-grade fastball on this list. He's wow. The 80. I don't think I've seen a fastball like that. Opponents at 158 against his fastball last year. And 
it's 97 to 99, you know, maybe sometimes later and starts will sit more five and six. 20 something inches of induced vertical break and up to 2,800 RPMs on his fastball. Like the Seth Lugo breaking ball is 3,000 RPMs and we're like, holy shit. So the the cra- the highest spin rates that we see on a four-seam fastball at the major league level right now are around 2,550 to 2,600. And that's what like Julio Urias is busting out and Verlander and uh, Garrett Cole at some points. Um, like that's, that's, what, we're, points. It, like, that's points? what we're seeing. Hey, relax. Pre- yeah, sorry. Pre-March <laughs> 2021. But like, hey. <laughs> the Verlander high spin fastball, the Julio Arias high spin fastball, Musgrove when he does throw a fastball is up there as well. You know, we see like those in the 25, 50, 2600. This is 200 RPMs higher than that, meaning that it stays up that much better. Yeah, it's that insane. And I've like watching them, I queued up every fastball and in a hitter's count. I specifically queued up hitter's count fastballs. The amount of 2 0. He could miss middle, middle, and really good hitting prospects are swinging under it. And to me, in the major leagues, you can have success as a starting pitcher with a fastball like that. Like the fastball takes you as far as you can go when it comes to like the shape and things like that. And then the slider has gotten so much better that that's an above average pitch, almost plus. And then he's shown some feel for a changeup and a curveball, which is all he needs. Look at Joe Ryan. His fastball is better it has the shape of joe ryan with four more miles per hour and i don't think the secondaries are any worse that's what i look at i look at joe ryan but better potential i was gonna say look at javier christian javier yeah i i have i have two follow-ups to that too because we just saw taj bradley make his debut and he's a guy with a super high spin fastball right he's throwing at the top of the zone and he's got guys like i saw him I think twice yesterday through a rafael devers two middle middle fastballs with two strikes and it blow by him and Devers looks at the catcher's mitt and then goes back and thinks to himself, what the fuck did I just miss? And I think he looked at the miles probably saw 95 and he's like, what the hell was that? And, but it's to that level and it's faster. And I think, I guess my question, and then I have another one. Is it a better fastball than Taj Bradley currently with the Rays? It's a great question, actually, because I, I, I go to Taj and he's 19 to 20 inches of induced vertical break, which is fantastic. Um, and, and that's why, having the write up here he how he freezes hitters on fastballs because they expect it to drop you know, induced vertical break is counterintuitive right for those who might be listening it means that it doesn't drop as much so it stays on a line and that's why swing like guys swing under it so it, he freezes guys at the knees with it. it it is better than taj bradley's because it's a tick harder and has another inch of induced vertical break on average, which is just a joke because Taj Bradley is a 70 fastball. And that's why I also settled. Usually it's got to be 101 to be to be a, you know an 80 fastball. But I would venture to say that this fastball, it's dominated. I know for sure it's dominated double A hitters more than Hunter Greens because the shape's better. 101 with poor shape or even average shape is not as good as 98 with with elite shape. And that's the difference. Yeah, and I think you can see that too in in a relief pitcher, right? Like Pete Fairbanks, according to Stuff Plus, like has the best fastball, and he doesn't throw like a hundred and three out of the bullpen. Like he's in the high nineties, and yeah. nobody on earth can touch that man's fastball. So my follow up question was, 
you know, I love looking at top 100 lists because, you know, I'm not into the weeds like you guys are, but I love a good top 100. I just always love rankings. That's my favorite thing in sports yeah. is just to rank shit and to pick winners. That's my favorite part of, of talking <laughs> about sports. Shit. That should be a shirt. <laughs> I yeah, like rank ranking shit pick and picking winners. <laughs> so a guy like Miguel Blyce, I've heard him uh, off lists. I've heard him as high as 20 on lists. So I'm always curious to hear your opinion on guys where – so many other publications have made hard stances on, yeah, he's not on our list or he's so high. With us, he's right in at 64 with the Boston Red Sox. And he's a he's a polarizing prospect. I'm just curious the story of what you think, because I've heard so yeah. many different people say so many different things. Great, great question, because that was one of the later stage guys. Like that was one of the guys that that was one of the last I wrote up and one of the latest movers because he's so far off, uh, but I was floored by the upside. So with Blyce, it was, again, you know, you're, you're weighing floor ceiling. He is on there because his ceiling is as high as almost any prospect on this list. Uh, staying power in center, like a really good defender out there. That was a really fun tape dive. Uh, like flies, covers ground, great jumps and then power wise way ahead of his years. Then he's also six, three with room to add like 20 pounds of muscle. So I'm imagining his ceiling is good, like average or better hitter, at least average plus plus power, at least plus plus runner who plays center field. That's a superstar. So he's far off and that's why I'm not putting him at 20. And I think, you know, some other outlets are, you know, more risk, you know, more risk tolerant. I think that if you're looking at teams, and again, you got to kind of go to this. I understand putting him at 20 or wherever it was where Fangraphs had him, but I just don't believe that there's only 19 prospects in baseball that teams would take over Miguel Blyce. I just don't yeah. believe that he's too far off. That yeah. said, enough to dream on to have him well inside the top 100. So you've got Blyce with the Red Sox at 64, um, revisiting Joey Ortiz at 65, shortstop prospect with the Baltimore yeah, yeah. Orioles. He's in triple. And, and I guess my one question about Joey Ortiz for you, like the numbers are so good. You've talked about how slick of, of a defender he is. Where does he factor into Baltimore's plans? Because they have a surplus, much like the Guardians, when it comes to middle infielders. I would, like conventional baseball talk, brain says trade him right but i i feel like that won't happen uh because of what i've read about what michael Elias has said about him what i've seen beat writers kind of put out about what the team says about joey ortiz elite makeup uh he played in in new mexico state with uh with nick gonzalez actually and yeah. he's kind of cut from the the jeremy pena cloth of just grinder who just kept getting better in pro ball and then found this power uh and maybe not as much power as pena but enough where it's like, oh, that guy can play every day. Um, he would be higher if he wasn't hurt to start the season, but I think he'll be fine. I, it was a concussion, but you know, it was just I wanted to see a little bit more through spring training, a little bit more in the first week of the season. Like that's a guy that I would have done a little bit more small sample size theater because he's been somebody that really broke out in a big way in the second half of last year after coming off of a shoulder injury uh, that you know hampered him a little bit. So. He's a guy that has not done it for as long, but you can really see what's coming together here. That said, where does he fit in? Because, <clears throat> excuse me, they've got Westberg, who I think they probably prefer Ortiz to Westberg, and that's why he's ranked ahead of him. 
But then they've also got Jorge Mateo, who's standing on his head to start the season. Uh, they've got Connor Norby at second base. They've got all Gunnar Henderson, of course, there too. They got a lot to figure out. Lots. Here's where the list uh, goes down the drain. And it's because you don't quantify X grit enough. It's a stat I made up. Um, it's an eye test stat. And it matters. It matters more than the batted ball data because I've been betting on games on overs because the batted ball data doesn't mean shit. It's just line drives to center field, which are outs. Yes. Uh, Noel V. Marte versus Spencer Steer. You can't tell me that Noel V. Marte is better than Spencer Steer. If you watch a gritty walk by Spencer Steer, the guy gets on base. Now, he's not quite as talented as Noel V. Marte, but the real point of the question is Noel V. Marte has been a top prospect for a long time, and you see the little down arrow. And that's why I love this list, too, because you can see risers and fallers. And I know Noel V. Marte has been a bit of a faller because I think he was seen as a shortstop, may not stick there. The bat has gone kind of in and out. So I'm just curious, one, if you quantify X grit, and two, the Noel V. Marte versus Spencer Steer, because same team might end up playing the same position and they're stacked very close to each other. Yeah. So X grit, honestly, like does <laughs> does factor in here. Uh, because you know, we're we're betting on these young guys uh to, you know, based on the rankings, not really betting, but we're 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 placing stock on these guys to to be able to achieve their ceilings, how do you achieve your ceilings? By grinding, by you know having a good work ethic, by having a good you know head on your shoulders. Uh, and those are all things that I try to find out about. You know, I can't find that out about everybody, but you know, the, the, based on talent, Khalil Watson probably still would have the benefit of the doubt of being a fringe top 100 guy, but he's far off the list because of makeup questions and concerns. So though he has looked a lot better to start this year, but just an example there, um, I think, you know, Forrest Whitley was a learning lesson for a lot of people in that regard too, though he dealt with some injuries also. So for me with Noel V. Marte, this is a really tough one. And he might've poked a hole that, that could actually, you know, reflect poorly on me in a few years. The way I looked at it was this way. Noel V. Marte has four years to get to where Spencer Steer is. Yep. I'm willing to wait that out. (laughs) He's 21 years old. I love Spencer Steer. But Noel V. Marte hits the ball harder than him already at 21 years old. Um, I always knew or at least felt very confident that he was going to move off a shortstop. So now that he's officially moving off a shortstop, I don't want to penalize him for that. I already had that baked in before. But I think other evaluators, to your point, Peter, have you know, smacked him with that and dropped him really far. And I'm like, we knew this. Everyone was talking about this before. Yeah. Uh, my thing is, if he has a bad year this year, we'll reevaluate it. But because he has four years to get to where Spencer Steer is, I'm willing to be patient and see what it looks like because this guy has plus plus raw power potential. And for him, he's kind of cut from the Mauricio cloth. It's just the approach, man. His field of hit is fantastic. I would I would hope that he can figure out the approach thing. Uh, but, you know, he's got plenty of time to do it at 21 years old. It's more just being a hater in your comments, just being like, why isn't Spencer Steer four on yeah. the list? But that's all it is, really. It's not even about Noel V. Barte. It's just they're on the same team. They play similar positions, and I'm a Spencer Steer guy. You called him a fake shortstop. When, he is a fake why shortstop. is the fake shortstop ahead of Steer, which is really funny. I, I understand it. And look, <laughs> this is the risk versus reward thing. Like, There's a very good chance you run a 1,000 simulations that Spencer Steer accumulates more war, but there's going to be... 20% of scenarios where Marte is an all-star and probably less scenarios where Spencer Steer is. So it's You forgot, though. I ran the simulations in my head. Spencer Steer won the MVP already. Oh, this year? This Why year. didn't you tell me that? 
I tried to keep it under lock and key. I wanted to see how you ranked them before I before I laid it on you, the simulations. Come That's on. Funny. Hey, um, Gordon Graceffo. Um <laughs> No, let's venture into the top 50 now. And my favorite player in the history of ever is at 49. And mm-hmm. your first draft, Zach Veen was in the 80s. Outfielder in the Rockies. You can't expose me like that, bro. I'm I'm exposing you right now. Zach Veen was in the 80s. Now Zach Veen, outfield prospect for the Rockies in double right now, is 49. Why the jump? So I'm glad you mentioned the text message. Peer pressure. Because <laughs> no. When did that text message come in? You know? I think pre-spring training, pre-reporting. So at least before they started the season, I know that Veen, if I'm not mistaken, is off to a fantastic start this year. And yes. I think he's a hit in every single game. He's going to go so 50, before, 50. Yeah, <laughs> it was before this, before this. So I was able to get some some looks at backfield games of his setup was totally different. Um, Jack Neal looked 10x better. And this is a guy that's 21, right? So a swing change away, a swing adjustment away. He adjusted the setup. He looked shorter to the ball. He looked much cleaner. Bat was staying through the zone better. And I'm like, okay, this is everything I've been kind of waiting for with Zach Veen. And then also it helps when on the backfields you put up, uh, you know, per sources exit velocity well over 110. Um, so all of a sudden starting to tap into more power because that was my big concern was last year, dude, the exit velocities were lower than you'd expect from a guy that's like supposed to have this prolific power potential. 90th percentile exit velocity that was below 102 miles an hour for a 6'4 big guy like that. That's not what you want to see. So uh, it was really good to see him start to tap into more power, have the swing more under control. Uh, and, you know, I feel a lot better about him now going into this year. But, you know, 49, I know, is still way too low, right? Wait, I I think he's top five. Like he and Ellie De La Cruz are kind of on the same wavelength right now. It, sh- it should be Ellie, Jordan Walker, Volpe, Zach Veen, then Spencer Steer. Um, so <laughs> so I saw Jack visibly licking his lips when you were talking about Zach Veen, and it's because he loves the man, and that's why I recommend watching these on YouTube to just see our reactions to what Arb is saying too. But two guys that have me licking my lips. Um, one is Harry Ford with the Seattle Mariners, just such a freaking nature, like the second coming of Dalton Varsho as a catcher, but is so athletic that he can go play the outfield for the Seattle Mariners. And if this is a guy who, if I was wrong on, like I'm done making takes about prospects, but Brooks Lee was a guy who I saw multiple times at Cal Poly. And I'm like, he is going to lead the league in doubles. I swear on it. His swing is so, it's so like short and compact. And he's just such a professional hitter. And I was like, this will be a major league hitter or I do not know ball. So I'm just curious. These guys are risers in your top 100. Harry Ford, it's not like I hung my hat on. Brooks Lee was. But I'm just curious on the progression of both of these guys because I know you're tapped into both of them. Brooks Lee, it's your, you you hit the nail on the head. He, that's one of the safest big league bats you're going to find here. Uh, my only thing with him is how much is there to dream on? And in terms of like ceilings of the top 50 prospects, his is probably the lowest. And it says a lot about his floor that he's there because like he is a guaranteed big league bat, to your point. The swing so, so compact. Almost to, to to a frustrating degree because like Almost, that was yeah. where I'm watching the video and like his ground ball rates are really high. 
sometimes I'm like, just take a bigger hack, dude. Like you'll just shoot it the other way for a ground out on like a two, one count. And I'm like, why? Like, don't do that. And I think we'll get there, but exit velocities were a bit lower than I thought. Uh, Ground ball rate was a bit higher than I thought, which is the only reason why he wasn't like top 30. 39, though, for a guy that was just drafted, really, really good. I I love him. Uh, And I think you were spot on with what you saw at Cal Poly, which was a big league bat. That's extremely valuable, and he's going to be a good one. Um, I do wonder how much impact is there. Harry Ford is a freak. Um, Freak. His approach is already ahead of his years. Look at the walk rates last year. Chase rate, one of the lowest that you're going to see, especially among younger prospects. And then I didn't take much, like very little of this list was impacted by the World Baseball Classic, but he might be the one guy that actually moved up based on what he did. The way he was receiving, the way he was defending and handling, you know, a big league pitching. And then his at-bats were great. Uh, the power seems to continue to be improving. He flies. I agree. He's cut from the Dalton Varsho cloth. Harry Ford's a guy that I think could be a top 30 prospect in baseball by the time, you know, we hit the midseason update. He's so cool. Uh, one more question to do, unless, Jack, you have one, but I've been – the whole episode, I just wanted to talk about one player. This whole episode. Well, yeah, and Brooks think- Lee, but – I, I think guy Arm, who I know Arm knows. Yeah, and I think about. I think that's the same exact guy that I was ready to ask Arm about. And my question was literally going to be his name, your thoughts. Spencer Jones. That? Yes, I knew it. That was going to be my guess. So one thing too, um, and this is pulling back the curtain. So me loving Brooks Lee and him being high on this list. Now the other side of me being so fucking wrong. So when the Yankees drafted Spencer Jones out of Vandy. So I watch a lot of college baseball. I love just turning on the TV watching college baseball. And he didn't look very good at Vandy. Like, I didn't love him at Vandy. And when the Yankees took him, I was like, oh, my God, we just drafted another Anthony Ziegler. Like, no way this guy's going to be good. He's too long and lanky. The swing sucks. And I was like, yeah, maybe he can tap into power. I see it. Short porch. He's a lefty. Yeah, maybe. Okay. We'll see. But then I was so wrong. So wrong. I remember, I think I texted you. We were at an eBay event and I was with Colby and I was like, Colby, did you just see that the Yankees drafted Spencer Jones? We are so screwed. And he's like, what are you talking about? I think he's going to be good. And I'm like, no way. This was the worst pick since Ziegler. And man, was I wrong. So the question is, Spencer Jones, thoughts? So he was very hurt. You know, I think he had Tommy John surgery. He was a two-way player. It was a really weird profile. And even when the draft pick first went down, he was not a guy that I did a ton of draft prep on. So I was like, ooh, interesting. Yeah. Watch the second half of his season specifically at bats against Chase Dolander, which I, I tweeted out where he goes inside out on a tough pitch up and in and goes yard. Uh, and then just continues to look better and better and better. And this is a big guy that just like, sometimes you just need to, it's a click with the moves in the box when you're six seven. And it clicked for him. And I'm watching these at-bats, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy really found it. And if he had another year in college, probably a top five pick. The Yankees identified that. It was a roll of the dice to see if that was going to be duplicable, but it was. And and they bought stock right before it exploded, I think. And that's why I was talking about him before this season. And then I got to see some looks, a, a video in the early parts of last year, and I'm like, this is going to play. His setup and swing almost looks a little bit like Shohei Otani, which I've talked about, which is so crazy. Uh, and, and he's so quick and explosive with it and can stick in center. The way he's gotten off to a start this year, because he was he, this was not a guy that we bumped because of the start. He was maybe bumped a couple spots, but he was going to be top 40, top 42, no matter what. 
Um, and then what he's done to start this year is absurd. He's right. already hit multiple balls over 110 miles an hour. He's barely swinging and missing at fastballs. He's got oppo at 105. He's creaming baseballs, and his moves look great in the box, and he's playing a good center field. He hit one 110 off of Chandler. He hit one 110 uh, off of another guy that's not as notable. And then he went yard at 110, yard at 106, yard at 108, and yard at 105. Like, this guy hits the shit out of the ball with a good approach and can play center. He's an Aaron judge starter kit like that. And I think he could be the next James Wood type of ascension. We'll see if he hits enough. That's the question. So I said starter kit, but how many six, seven above average speed center fielders who have a better field to hit than you'd expect to you find me. This is listening to him. Talk about Spencer's Jones is better than listening to music. It just sounds so (laughs) elegant and so good. And I'm so damn excited because man, was I wrong? And I love being wrong in this scenario. Like, he does have that. I, you know, you showed me, you were like, he's kind of got some Otani in his swing a little bit that he can kind of get to any ball and he'll he just barrels everything, whether whatever part on the plate the pitch is. And I watch him and I'm like, you are so 100% right. Like, you put them, you know, on two different videos and just like watch the way they swing. It's so fucking similar. It's That's the way crazy. To swing when you're a gigantic human, like, yeah, be as optimal with your movements. They start with their hands deep, slotted already. And it's just a like rotation and go, and it's explosive. And Yankee fans can dream on an outfield of Judge, Spencer Jones, and Jason Dominguez. I mean, oh. that could be stupid. And then Everson Pereira is still on this list. Yeah, Pereira is still on this list. So you just scratched Peter's Yankee uh, needs. Can you scratch my Chicago? Brian, no, I, I wasn't even oh. going to go to Brian Ramos. I'm sorry. We can talk about Ramos. No, I just wanted to try to be cool and predict what you were going to say. Now I just feel like an idiot. Go ahead. That's fair. Um, no, can you scratch my Chicago itch with with Pete Crow Armstrong with the Cubs at 22 and Colson Montgomery with the White Sox at 21? Because yeah. these are two guys that I think the entirety of the baseball city is very excited for. You know, PCA has a bit more sex appeal just because there are more Cubs fans in the city of Chicago. But I know that White Sox fans are very excited about Colson Montgomery. He was <laughs> he was a victim of Project Birmingham. And our, our <laughs> thoughts are out there on the call-up. Um, he was a victim of Project Birmingham. But PCA at 22, Colson at 21. What do you see from those two guys? So for those who don't know what Project Birmingham is, Chris Getz, the farm director. Yeah, Chris Getz, former second baseman of the White Sox, but yes, current farm director. So he thought it was a good idea to have every prospect in one affiliate, every top prospect at one affiliate. So no matter what What? level of player you were, you were all in double A Birmingham. Um, Iron sharpens iron. The the only way you can describe that thought process is – Iron sharpens iron. Yes, which is just like, I'm going to put all the good players together. Like, we make fun of it all the time on the call. I think it was outrageous. So, like, there's uh, 17 year olds playing with 23 year olds? Not yeah. 17, but like, there were like a nice. If they had year old. one, if they, if they had a relevant 17 year old prospect, he probably would have been there. Like, Colson Montgomery was, was, what was he last year? 20? That's either genius or the dumbest idea I've ever heard. West. I think it was a little of both. Colson. So that's the thing. So people see Colson Montgomery's stats in double A and they're like, oh, I'm cooling on him a little bit. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, he shouldn't have even been there. There's a high school guy gets drafted, torches the lower levels and then gets rushed to, uh, you know, gets rushed to double A. So Wes Koth, uh, Wes Koth, 19 years old last year. 
uh, caught 99 games in low A Canapolis. He had a 740 OPS. 13 games in double when Project Birmingham was the thing. He had a 440 OPS. So PS dropped 300 points. That's, That's good for the confidence. So, so brutal. So to answer your question on Montgomery, the swing visually looks phenomenal. The frame, he's 6'4", 205. He reminds me of Corey Seager with the build. Mm-hmm. I hope, and defensively, like, We'll see if he sticks a short. Could be a candidate to move to third if he thickens out a little bit, but could be an average shortstop like kind of Iowa Seager. Uh, but what what I really love, maybe not quite as much power, but a really good field to hit. Even with Project Birmingham, so even with having to be blown up by double-A pitching, 89% zone contact as a 20-year-old between Jeez. high-A and double-A. Phenomenal. Then you have 103 mile per hour, 90. Just to, just to put that in perspective, like an 89% zone contact, like Jeff McNeil had an 87% zone contact yes. last year. Yes. Like that is like, nuts. Really, really good. As a young guy in the minors, approach was really good. Again, even with Project Birmingham, struck out less than 20% of the time. 103 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity average is about 101. So he's two ticks above that with room to add another 20 pounds of muscle. So I'm imagining plus power. I'm, I already know the field of hits there. Like to me, he is like Corey Seager light and the profile just is a balance of safe and exciting. And that's why he's so high. Uh, the other one was Pete Carl Armstrong. That's a little bit riskier. Approach isn't totally there. I see him kind of tinkering. He looks a little rushed in the box right now with the timing mechanism. This guy's the best defender I've ever seen in the outfield of the minor leagues. Um, wow. Like I, I, like Pete Crow Armstrong is the best defender I've seen. Wow. I've never seen somebody run balls down like him. And then his arm is plus plus. I think that if the second he gets to the big leagues, he is probably, he might be the best defensive center fielder in baseball the second he gets there. Wow. He and Michael Harris, like kind of same thing with Michael Harris, right? I think right? he might even be better. He is like, I don't know if we'll hit like Harris. That's the question. Mm -hmm. They're very similar. I'll send you a clip, Peter, of this catch he makes. And then he turns around and spins and throws it just for the hell of it. And it's a seed. We had, we had him on the call up too mentally. He's like, I'm not where I want to be yet. I have 70 present 80 future on his glove out there. Like it, it is that good. If he's a league average hitter, he'll be, He'll be a four F war guy. Like just off the wire. Yeah. His floor is Miles Straw, and he's a way better hitter, I think, potentially than that. Correct me if I'm wrong. A Brett Gardner type profile with an 80 glove? Basically. Like I think the bat could be Brett Gardner type. Yeah. Because Brett Gardner was a good hitter. Like people like to make fun of him, but he ended up being like a good hitter. Like he was good for a while. Brett Gardner offensively with that glove, he's a perennial all-star or at least a perennial five, six up one. Yeah, he's in that conversation every year. And that's what I think Cubs fans are hoping for. And you you think the floor is like, that's that's nuts to hear that he might be the best defensive center fielder you've ever seen in the minor leagues because you've been covering this for a while. Yes. Two shockers in the teens for me. Shockers. And... I'd love to obviously get your opinion on this. Like Ricky Tiedemann at 13 feels so high because I feel like there's injury risk there. He's been dealing with it for a while. There's no debating the stuff, but I, I guess coming from you who is risk averse and we look at Ricky Tiedemann and he's 20 years old, you know, he's in double with these injury concerns I was shocked to see him at 13 and I just want to know your opinion on him. And then I have a follow-up yeah. to that. Yeah, the, the the shoulder soreness is is not ideal. Um, but you know, no no surgery, no 
you know, no major issues in the past in terms of like a, a major, major, you know, like layoff or, or God forbid, a, you know, operation on the shoulder, which at that point, the success rate is super low. I will say that this is, you know, that's one that I'm watching very closely. If Ricky Tiedemann gets shut down again at some point this year with a shoulder issue, then I'm worried. But, you know, shoulder soreness, you know, that that happens to a lot of guys. Um, you know, I think he was kind of focused on trying to ramp up for the season and, he came into spring training throwing like a hundred and um, yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is there. If it comes up again, I will definitely start to look at dropping him, but with what he is able to do from the left side, it is disgusting. We don't see much like that. So for me, he's like where Espino was at the beginning of last year. And God forbid, mm-hmm. if he has, I hope he doesn't has that kind of, those kind of issues, then, then we'll talk, you know, but opponents at one fifty against him last year, um, he struck out nearly 40% of batters. His fastball has ticked up since then. His slider has gotten better and his changeup has gotten better. Um, this guy's ceiling is one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball and he's 20 years old. So I am worried a little bit about the shoulder flaring up already, but if, as long as he's healthy, you know, this is a guy that the upside's just too tantalizing. My follow-up, Evan Carter at 11? We got to break this guy down. Like, that's why you guys got to watch this episode on YouTube because Jack just leaned back and he had the biggest smile on her face. As soon as I asked it, so did Aram. He's a big kid, 6'4, almost 200 pounds, crazy exit velos, but 11? That is so high. Like, are you, do you really think he's the 11th best prospect in Major League Baseball or are you taking a stance? Because when I ranked the top of our players, like, sometimes I take a stance on guys. Like, is this a stance player? Or do you genuinely believe he is the 11th best prospect in baseball? Because it just seems crazy to me. So this is, I'm glad you asked that question because it is me. Like, I believe this. And in the past, I was like afraid to have those hotter takes that I truly believed because I didn't, I didn't know how it would be perceived. And you've talked to me about it and you're like, no, like just uh, if you believe it, fucking do it. Um, I really do like if again, if I'm if I'm building a franchise and we're doing like a snake draft of prospects, I'm not letting Evan Carter pass the eleventh or twelfth pick. So that that really is where I'm at. The reason why I love Carter so much is very similar to the reason why I love Colson Montgomery, almost the same stuff. But now imagine he can play center field and at, at a high level, at least a pretty good level. Evan Carter came straight out of high school and just mashed, put up solid numbers straight into low A, skips the complex. Then in 2022, starts in high A, rakes there, and finishes in double A where he torched for for six games there. Now he started the year again in double A this year and is off to a great start. What I love about Carter is 6'4", 190, even more room to add muscle than Montgomery, younger than Montgomery. He's 20 years old still. Unbelievable approach. He's kind of cut from the same cloth as Edouard Julian, where we're talking about not swinging a lot. Only swings 38% of the time. Never expands his zone. Zone contact of 86%. 90th percentile exit velocity of 103, which is same thing as Colson Montgomery. So to me, it was almost the same offensive profile as Colson. Younger, better defender in, a, in center field, and more success. Like This guy's raking now in double A. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Evan Carter is going to be a top five prospect in baseball by the end of this year. That's my hot of take. the Rangers. Congrats, Rangers! That's a sick player. Jeez. All right, and you sold me because I I don't know much about him. So a the lot fact of that I don't know much about a guy who's 
11 on the list. I'm like, whoa, what the hell did I miss? Well, and here's the thing, man. Like, the Rangers, we've talked about it. They didn't do anything for their outfield. Like, they're running out of Dolis and then uh, a couple other scraps right now. So if you see Evan Carter get there midway through next year, all of a sudden – you know, you've got more talent. You've got more appeal in this lineup to to couple with, you know, those shorter deals that you gave to the rotation. And, you know, you, you have still the peak of Semyon and Seager, which is really cool that Carter factors in. One more question for me. The top three, go look at the list. Like the top 10, go look at the list. Go read the list and listen to the breakdown on the call-up, which is coming. I mean, we're working, again, uh, 15 apiece pretty much for the next however many days the top three pitching prospects in baseball yuri perez grayson rodriguez andrew painter in that order so you've got perez as the top pitching prospect in baseball then g rod then andrew painter who's dealing with a partially torn acl or ucl right now but he's pitching through it why that order honestly if Andrew Painter didn't have the partially torn UCL. I would have been even more stressed about it, to be honest. Like it's, it's, it really, it made it a little bit easier to to put these guys one, two, three because you know Grayson had the lat issue last year, but you know looks all the way back um, in terms of his stuff. Yuri Perez though, he, Yuri and Painter probably both could have edged out Grayson. Those guys are both two and a half, almost three, maybe three years younger than him. You know, so I, I look at what what these guys are capable of in terms of their frame, in terms of their athleticism, and I think they have even more upside than Grayson Rodriguez, which is crazy to say. The reason why it goes in this order is that you know Painter with the partially torn UCL, I, that's enough. Like the margin was so thin between these three guys that that's enough to kind of just put him in the back end because they were all like one A, one B, one C. Yuri for for me. I think he's one of the most special pitching talents we've seen, right? And I've got to see him in person several times to be six eight, to move the way he does, to command his stuff the way that he does. Uh, he can throw his change up in any count. He reminds me a lot of the way Grayson looked when he first started, but now add three inches and you know add maybe even slightly better command um, and and higher velocity fastball at, at points. So um, again, it's one of those where it's like he has three years to be where Grayson Rodriguez is now. I, I think Yuri has a good chance to do that. So I have, a, I have two questions to end it. First, we got to talk about the alien. I mean, Yuri's the pitcher alien, but my first text when I saw the list was in all capitals, and it was just, Ellie, come on. Because I think he has not only insane upside i think he has best player in baseball upside Mm -hmm. for the cincinnati reds so first i just want to ask you about ellie and then i want to just ask one more question and then we'll we'll end the episode and you guys got to go check out the call up because they're going over every single player in much more depth that this is where it was hard because you know it would have been much easier if if um we put this out before the season started because Jordan Walker starting his career on a 13 game hit streak is ridiculous. But I wanted to be honest with myself. Like, does that really change the way I look at Jordan Walker? No. So, you know, I thought I saw people replying that like, oh, you know, well, Ellie has yet to play in AAA this year, like a little ailment. And he'll be back already uh, very soon. Uh, but the reason why I have Walker or just behind Ellie De La Cruz is, is what you said. The ceiling is best player in baseball at shortstop. Uh, 
a guy that could be 40-40, legitimately 40-40 in Great American Ballpark with solid defense. If they move him to third, he could be one of the better defensive third basemen in baseball. If they put him at shortstop, okay, a 40-40 guy at short, that's Tatis. You know, like, and well, at least was what Tatis was supposed to be. I don't know where he's going to play next, but it seems like outfield. But the point being, like, that's what everybody in baseball covets is a 40-40 shortstop. You don't, you don't see that. That's possible here. Jordan Walker, in terms of war, is going to be a little bit impacted by the by the defense. I think we're going to see we see that already. Look at Jordan Walker's war through the first handful of games, though he's already been you know, hitting really well. Um, I think he's going to get better defensively, but we're looking at a guy that's probably average or at his ceiling above average in a corner versus a switch hitting plus plus runner plus same power as Jordan Walker. It's uh, hit the ball 510 feet. Yeah. Like it, that's even in game power. You could say maybe it's the same. I think Elito Cruz might have even a tick more. Um, so you're looking at a guy that has uh, same power, powers a wash speed, at least, we're going to be one of the fastest guys in the game. Positionally, you're getting more there. And then a switch hitter. And in terms of zone contact, they're just about the same. The only difference is approach. And I think Elie Dela Cruz is going to get there approach-wise, especially as a switch hitter. I thought he showed some good things there, too. Definitely more risk, but that's a risk I'm willing to take when you have a shot at the best player in Major League Baseball. The way I look at Elie Dela Cruz is he's everything O'Neill Cruz wishes he could be. Mm-hmm. Like, everything that O'Neill Cruz has, Ellie has but he's a switch hitter. I think he's faster. I think you could argue like at some points he has more power, but yeah, guys definitely go listen to the call up and read the write up on Ellie De La Cruz on just baseball.com. My last question. And I think I ask you this every single time we go over your top 100. Who's the player you're most scared about ranking? Like who's the guy on this list where you think to yourself, this is the riskiest player. Like I had no idea where to rank him. He could bomb out and not make my top 100 at all, or I could rank him way too low and he ends up being top 10 and I got to move him from 70 or something. Like who's who's that player who kept you up at night? At this stage, Marco Luciano. Um, mm-hmm. Of the know, Giants. We know what he's capable of with the Giants, you know, and, and what he could do. Uh, but injuries, uh, now I'm starting to question, you know, is his upside really that immense compared to some of these other guys? Like, yes, but, you know, so th- there's a lot of moving parts here. How is he going to be defensively a shortstop? I haven't gotten to see, I haven't been able to see as much, you know, action as I'd like to see because of the injuries. Like there's just so many moving parts, but then there's a world where it clicks for Marco Luciano and he's, you know, a 40 home run threat that, that plays shortstop. So it's like, that was a really tough one for me where I could see him having a huge year and it's like, now I got to move him in the top 15 and I feel like an idiot. Or he could flame out, and and I hope that's not the case, and and fall out of top 100 list with a bad year this year. So that was the one that was pretty hard, and then Noel V. Marte was right there too, honestly. So funny. I think Marco Luciano was your answer last time I asked you. He's just <laughs> such a tough player to rank because the talent I'd is so crazy. I'd say Marte now too, even more yeah. so. I'd say Marte. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. The best way to support, go check out Arm's Top 100 on JustBaseball.com, as well as go check out all the different call-up episodes. You know Jack and Arm are doing an hour on the 
81st ranked prospect. That's why I love these two guys. Edgar Caro in the Angels system. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And another great way to support is to get your Just Baseball merch. That is in the episode description. If you don't want to spend a dime, no worries at all. If you could rate this podcast five stars wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit us with a like, hit us with a comment, and hit that subscribe button for all more. And also subscribe to the Call Up YouTube. I know you can find that if you go to our Just Baseball YouTube page, you can watch Jack and Arm again in video form on youtube and of course we are sponsored by the king of sportsbooks bet mgm use code jb200 when you wager ten dollars on any mlb game on the money line once it is settled you will get two hundred dollars in bonus bets arm you killed it so much fun breaking down the list can't wait to read more about each individual player and can't wait to see where you're so wrong about Noel V. Marte and Spencer Steer, but no, all jokes because this is such a great list. And with that, thank you, everybody. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.